if parenthood came with a GPS, it would most likely just say recalculating. Join Yulandi Becker and her guest experts Wednesdays at 11 a.m. for Bump and Beyond, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and yes, you are on Bump and Beyond, and I am your host, Yulandi Becker. Um, I'm in a much better mood this week, I feel, mainly because the temperatures in Houting are becoming higher and it has a very good impact on my uh, well-being. Another thing that helped, of course, is that finally I'm recovering from COVID and I could go out running again, which again helps for my mental well-being. So all in all, a good day. Today's show specifically, though, I need you to be part of the conversation. It's an important topic as we are talking about struggling to get pregnant and infertility specifically. And as I don't have personal experience, not personally, but obviously each of us knows someone who has struggled to fall pregnant, um, I need you to be part of this conversation to make sure that we bring it the justice that it deserves. So... As always, you can obviously phone us and the phone number is 010-140-3020. You can send us a telegram on 061-895-1019 or you can SMS us at 34519. SMSs are charged at 150. And please let us know whether or not you struggled, um, if you had to go for IVF, you went through the journey, um, if you are currently struggling to get pregnant if you know of your child or daughter that are, is struggling to get pregnant and you need some advice or assistance with this, uh, the whole journey, please send us an SMS or a telegram. We would love for you to be part of this conversation. Um, coincidentally, my day started today. As each day, me and my family have breakfast together and then I read them the highlights and the news that is happening. And um, it's with a nine and 11 year old, I do have to say you have to be a little bit selective sometimes with the news because um, you don't want to make only paint a grim uh, idea of what the world can be like. And unfortunately, sometimes that's the only thing that is in the news. Um, so it's, yeah, sometimes I tend to go to the lifestyle section as well a little bit of the news. So it's not just current events. And coincidentally, I actually read this um article about a U.S. woman who becomes a first-time mom at the age of 52 after spending over 3.7 million rand um, on IVF. And apparently she still wants more kids. Um, she's been struggling for, for quite some time to fall pregnant and obviously has spent quite a lot of money to get there. Um, and exactly that's what our discussion, again, like I said, today is all about. A large number of people are affected by infertility in their lifetime. Actually, according to a report published in April this year by the World Health Organization, around 17.5 of the adult population in the world so that means one in six worldwide experience fertility, showing actually and highlighting the urgent need to increase access to affordable, high-quality fertility care for those in need. The report does reveal an important truth that 
Yo, infertility doesn't discriminate. Uh, <laughs> the sheer proportion of people affected show the need to widen access to fertility care and to ensure the issue is no longer sidelined um, in health research and policy. So the safe, effective, and affordable ways to attain parenthood are available to those who seek it. Again, like I mentioned, I want you to be part of the discussion. And that's exactly why I also brought someone in today to talk about this. And my expert guest today is Dr. Um, Dr. Suzanne Saxton. She is a um, qualified from um, uh, qualified lecturer from the Wits University with an actual bachelor's degree in commerce. After working corporate for 10 years and wanting to dedicate time to her family, Suzanne pursued a career in education and has been lecturing in Wits since 1999. She just revealed to me as well that she has five kids and has some grandchildren, so a long lineage here. Um, Suzanne actually, together with her husband, started Malka Ella after their own journey to have a family so that they could help those that were facing similar experience. Welcome, welcome, Suzanne. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks very much. For Thanks me. very much. <laughs> like I mentioned to you, even before, um, I, even when I first contacted you, that I said to you, I am a little bit nervous about this conversation because, right. again, I, like most people, I like to talk about things that I know about and I've experienced mm -hmm. myself. And I think we all have a tendency to do that. And in this case, though, I do feel it's necessary to talk about it, even though I don't have personal experience, because I know so many families and parents mm -hmm. who struggled to get pregnant. So even even though you yourself personally haven't experienced it just by having your own children, you understand the unbelievable joy and, you know, um, amazing feelings that come in associated and experiences and comes with building a family and your marriage and um, so on. And so one can really just realize what that enormous lack is in people's lives. So even if you yourself haven't actually um done, gone through it, just realizing what someone is missing can make you immensely sad and and really try and um, understand a little bit about the experience that they have. I mean, I would like to say that going through an infertility journey is, is similar to someone going through um, the loss of uh, someone very special to them. And the someone very special to them in this situation is a hope or a dream or a, a deep desire to to have a family, to have a child. And I think that for me, what's hard about this is, and, and I'm not, um, you know, making any comparison um, between the absolute pain that one feels when someone passes away, but it, it, it's really about like a loss every single month. Every single month that someone doesn't actually manage to conceive and have a child is this immense loss of hope, of potential, and and coming back and then trying to rebuild yourself um, again for another month and and I mean unfortunately these things can go on for an extended period of time. I mean I, you touched on something just when you you started is that you know there are many many people that that experience infertility. However, treatment and and certainly in South Africa is reserved for those people who can afford it. Mm. Um, there is almost no government um, departments in this country that still deal with infertility. 
Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's become a very much of a privileged uh, passage. And those people who can't afford treatment end up, you know, not being able to have children. And I mean that, and that's exactly even like I said, even in the article that I read about uh, from the world. I mean, I mentioned that woman from the U.S. First of all, who has three point seven million rand? I mean, it's two hundred thousand mm. dollars, but who mm. has that kind of? If that's so your dream to become right. a parent, um, obviously there is no monetary value that you can put on that. I, I think. But I, if I you feel, don't have the money, you don't have the money. Like but it if doesn't. You don't have the money. You don't have the money. You can't go so, through that. And if you, right. if I'm telling someone in order to become a parent, you have to pay 3.7. I mean, I think 3.7 million. But, and there's no guarantee that yeah. the 3.7 will result in. I think that. Is essentially the issue, which is why, you know, in the Jewish community, I feel like we're extremely privileged to have an organization. And it's not just in South Africa. Actually, the Jewish communities around the world, there are many, many organizations in Australia, in the United States, even in Israel, even though fertility care is in Israel um, funded um, to some degree. But, you know, there are many, many organizations. And I think that that speaks a lot to Judaism being that family and children is the very core of, of I, our being and, you know, being able to have a family and lead generations. Um, besides being, I mean, obviously it, it's a big mitzvah to do that, but I think that is the issue. And we get many, many, um, emails literally, um, throughout the years that we've started Malkaela from different organizations or different individuals saying, I'm desperate, please, can you just try and help me? And, I mean, we started this organization specifically for Jewish people, and we have at many times, you know, offered we would, you know, assist people in other denominations or in general to open up organizations. But, you know, I think um, it's something that, that has never really taken off, which is a huge pity because it, it is unaffordable. It's absolutely oh, unaffordable. I can't wait to chat more about this just now and also your own journey of how it came about. But just now we'll follow up on that. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Ooh, and better health starts here. Oh, that's new. See, I'm falling over my tongue today. Yeah, I've had a little bit, I feel like tongue twisting today already. But if you've just joined me, you are on Bump and Beyond. And I am your host, Yolandi Becker. And today, today's topic has started off, I feel very well, um, with my guest, um, Dr. Sexton, talking about specifically infertility. As I mentioned before, you need to be part of this conversation. So if you have any comments or questions, please um, telegram us on 061-895-1019 or you can SMS us at 34519. SMSs are charged at 1.50. If you are so inclined and you're sitting in front of a computer, of course, you can also send us an uh, email as well at instudio at highfm.com. We would love to have your input on this discussion. So, Suzanne, um, before we went to um, ad break, you were mentioning specifically the Mokaala and the work that you've done to help people specifically. How did this journey start for you personally? So, um, 
So I, I mean, I believe that everyone, you know, people get married. I mean, I mean, it's it's very unusual that you meet people that don't want to have children, but they definitely are. But most people, you know, get married and they decide that they they want to have a family, and and the same was true with us. And then obviously, when we couldn't have kids, we landed up in fertility clinics, and um, we have uh, we have children today, um, very gratefully, and it's never without appreciation. But um, after we had, we, we have triplets. And um, so, wow. it, it, yeah, so it clearly wasn't, um, also at the time, our children are older now, but it was, uh, infertility was not something that was really spoken about at all. I mean, you certainly wouldn't have had a, a radio show or any conversation about it. So I think that um, today people are much more open but in those days it wasn't but because we had the triplets i think it was quite obvious i mean the incidence of triplets um naturally is extremely extremely mm-hmm. low um so we someone actually approached me there was another couple in the jewish community that was needing to have treatment and at the time a treatment was about 10000 rand and but i mean we're talking about 22 years ago so even then maybe 22000 rand was like I don't know how much to do it a lot. And um, she she called me and she said, do you think we can raise the money for this couple? And um, I said, yeah, well, let's try. Anyway, it literally took three phone calls. Three oh, phone wow. calls, we raised the money, and uh, we we funded the treatment. The treatment was successful, and the, the couple went on to have twins. Um and And then after that, we were like, well, it, it wasn't that difficult to raise this money. Maybe we should think about starting because I always, when we, when we ourselves had our own children, I always was left with the question is how do we play this forward? You know, and we are so grateful for our journey. And so how do we actually assist others? And we used to sit in the waiting rooms and often hear people say, okay, well, I can have one treatment, just one. And, and, and it's often that one treatment's just not good enough, which is, you know, it's not just, um, a treatment today can cost anywhere between 80 and, Depending on what is needed between eighteen two hundred and fifty thousand rand. Oh. Um, so I think, you know, for us that's what and there was a, a couple who have actually since immigrated from South Africa. Um, and they together with myself and my husband, we started Malka Ella very, very small. Um, and since then we funded literally over thousands of treatments. Um, and the treatments extend from, you know, just a general in vitro fertilization to a time cycle to genetics. Um, there's a, there's a large, there should be a large focus on, you know, doing genetic testing amongst the South African Jewish community because we carry very similar genes. Um, we've got counseling and you, the, the organization has almost organically grown through that. Um, but in my journey through helping couples, um, there are very few couples that need to, in the Jewish community, amongst which we are extremely privileged, need to walk away without having children if they prepare to, you know, put in what is required, which is the ability to kind of reframe their mind about what's going to be okay and they plan to have a child, how they want to have a child. And, yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's amazing. And I would never have begun this had we ourselves not gone through this journey. And there's no there's no organization that helps people that hasn't started because someone else went through it. So in retrospect, I'm grateful that we went through the journey, um, but it's very hard to watch other people go through the journey. But I know 
that in most cases, you know, I really believe um, with the all the help that is available, and I'm not just talking, I'm talking about spiritual help and I'm talking about medical help and I'm talking about financial assistance and emotional support, that people really come through this and and, and they build families. It, I mean, it sounds so amazing, really. I mean, honestly, even what I've heard and what I've seen, it sounds really amazing. But what are some of the reasons now? Because you said that, I mean, we know it is a journey and there's different reasons why people might need to, um, yeah, or that they are infertile, or maybe it's not yeah. even that, that, that it's that extreme. But what are the, some of the reasons why couples might struggle to get pregnant? Right. So, I mean, you know, in, I would say in the last 10 years, there's been an increase in male infertility. Um, and there's many, many, um, by the way, let me to just correct, I'm not a medical doctor at all. <laughs> Um, I think I wanted to be one, but I'm not. Um, I, I have a PhD in academics. Um, so I don't know the medical um, research, but I have read some medical papers in terms of um, male infertility is definitely on the increase, and it, it, it is accounting for more and more of the work that we actually do. Mm. Either someone is born um, with what we call a double X chromosome, and so therefore they, they are unable to have their, their, their sperm production. They are unable to produce, um, fertile sperm. Oh. Um, or, you know, there are schools of thought that the way we live, um, the stress and because, you know, sperm is produced every three months as opposed to a woman who's born with all her eggs. Um, female infertility is also really common. Um, we have, that often someone's chronological age, so you may be 25, but actually your body and your fertility like bearing is like the same as a 40-year-old. And so we do certain tests and we can actually tell how fertile someone is and, and how long they have in order to have children. So we've established that um, we have someone who may not, you know, they could have something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, there are multiple, multiple reasons, but there's either a female factor, there's a male factor, there's a combined factor, or there's no factor. Mm. And, you know, I think it's not easy to deal when we identify factors, but what is easy, what's hard is when there's no reason whatsoever. We can't figure it out. We don't know. She seems okay. He seems okay. You know, we put the egg and sperm together and yet there's still no pregnancy. And, and that's, that is the most challenging. So when we can kind of identify, oh, they've got this, not that it's easy. Um, oh, recurrent miscarriages are also considered infertility. Mm. So not just not being able to conceive, but someone having more than uh, two or three recurrent miscarriages, you know, next to um, one after another. That's also another reason that we would consider infertility. And we have had cases where, you know, someone's had to use a surrogate um, because they themselves, we, we're not sure a hundred percent why. And there are many treatments today. Um, but they're mainly experimental. Um, you know, why we would not be able to sustain a pregnancy. And that is devastating for some. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you've touched on lots of things that I'm going to elaborate on just now. And if you've only just joined us, you are on 101.9 High FM. This is Bump and Beyond, and I'm your host, Yolandi Becker. And I'm speaking to Dr. Suzanne Saxton today about infertility and specifically also about her organization, Malka Ella, helping families with infertility, more importantly. And we'll get a lot more to that. But you mentioned there also like the 
you know, the chronological age that someone is, is not necessarily what their fertility age is. And I've actually wondered about that quite a lot because in general, um, I personally had children for, for my era relatively early. I had both my kids before I was 30. Luckily, I know in the Jewish community, it's also not uncommon to have children <laughs> at that age. Um, but, um, it is a tendency. I feel in general, there's a tendency for that exactly that thing where women think, oh, okay, lots of women are having kids now in their thirties, late thirties, early forties, and it's becoming kind of normal. But in my same, in my head, I know that each woman is born with a certain amount of eggs for your lifetime. And obviously each month, if you have your period, you'll know one egg is gone, one egg is gone. But the reality well, actually is... We ovul- actually, we ovulate multiple eggs, not just one. Yes, and that's what I also want to say as well. With the prevalence of non-identical twins these days, obviously also you realize that it's not just one. So is that then not affecting the chronological, the age of your fertility? So what 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 is the question that you're asking is that because people are pushing off having children... Yes, is it not? Is that having? Oh, an impact? so no. We know that we know that younger women are more fertile, which is yes. why women, you know, cease to have children, even if they want to have children at some point in their lives. Hmm. So, I mean, there is definitely a tendency um, to to push off having children. It's not as prevalent in the religious Jewish community because people tend to get married younger and have children at a younger age. Certainly. Um, Quite, quite before they're 30. Um, but in the, the, the population, which is, you know, less observant, um, you know, people are choosing to have kids in their early 30s, mid 30s. And we know at around about the age of mid 30s, your fertility rate does in fact drop off, no matter even if you, uh, super, but you can get someone who's 40 something and super fertile, but you can also get a 20 year old that's not super fertile. So I, I do think that it, that is, impacting on people's fertility. At Malka Ella, we do offer um, what we call fertility preservation because there is a point at some that you're not going to be able to use your own eggs, even if you happen to want to have children. Um, because we run according to um, the the Jewish laws and the South African Beth Din, I mean, people can use those eggs um, only if they're married. Um, orthodox uh, afterwards, but we have had many cases where people have used them and gone on to have had families. So they froze their eggs when they were in their late 20s and they only landed up getting married when they were 34 and are now using their own genetic material to be able to have children. So I think that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of technology that's progressing and, and that certainly helps us. No. I mean, the other thing, um, and I know that this is not related, but I think it's important. I got a question on this yesterday. Is what about someone who's going through um, cancer treatment? So either, you know, male or female, and they, they're younger and they haven't yet actually got married. And so now, you know, the, the chemo and all the different drugs that they can take definitely will affect um, their fertility, their ability to, to oh, be wow. fertile later. So um, we have cases where we either, you know, before someone starts, if they're old enough, um, the male needs to be, I think, over 16 or 17 um, to have fertile sperm. And then we would freeze those um, those sperm um, and we would also then freeze um, women's eggs so that they could be used later on. Obviously, if they're married and they're going to start the, the chemo 
we would freeze the embryo. Um, mm. And then hopefully when they recover, they'll be able to do that. How about, I mean, what you guys are doing is like it's multifaceted and it just shows you how it's not just you're, you're infertile. There's so many factors. And I mean, all the specialists that you have on your team and that you're working with and all this type of thing, it's, it's not so easy, but that brings me to my next point as well, because I mean, I recently had a friend and she is a little bit older and, and, but it was her third time that she was now trying to also get pregnant or both first pregnancies were, or the first two pregnancies were easy, nothing to worry about, but she was starting to then get a little bit worried because it took a little bit longer the third time around. Again, she was a little mm-hmm. bit older now. But when when is the point where you need to, because you also don't just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and then you're pregnant necessarily. It's, it takes a little bit of time. Um, it might not happen the first time. When should, when does it, when do you get to the point where you need to start wondering? So they, right. So they generally. They general guidelines, Yolandi. So anyone under the age of about 25, but I mean, I'm saying that's taking into account that they don't have any other underlying issues like thyroid issues that have contributed to premature ovarian failure, for example. But under the age of 25, um, women are usually um, pregnant within the first six months of trying with, um, you know, um, unprotected intercourse. Um, that is a guideline. However, most doctors will not really look at treating again without the underlying causes unless you've really been trying for a year. Even though, so the majority of people, I I don't want to use the 80-20 rule because it's like everything's 80-20. I don't really understand. I don't know the exact percentage, but majority of people under the age of 25, women under the age of 25 will conceive within the first six months if everything is okay. Um, after that, so, um, I mean, I would, I would say to someone under the age of 25, you know, um, after six months, I think it would be important to just have preliminary kinds of investigations. Like, are their hormone levels a little like normal? You know, is their AMH, which is their egg quality and store? Is that normal? Um, because they may not necessarily have had any problems, you know, and, you know, um, going through puberty, but, Maybe there are underlying issues. So, so those are the things I would check. After a year, I would, you know, definitely recommend them seeing a specialist to try and get a full workup, um, of that. Over the age of 25, um, even though it takes us significantly, it can take significantly longer, we suggest to between like 30ish, um, that people go and see, um, specialists after six months. Why? Because there is a smaller limited time frame that they are maybe able to be fertile. So, so that's really what it is. But I, I think that, I mean, the women I've spoken to, I think people get an innate, if it's a, if women have their problem because, you know, they've gone through, they have an innate sense that there's something, just something that's not right. I know it sounds completely like I can imagine that I think that also as women, when it comes to that, I mean, obviously we have our period every month and you know how it goes and you know, since when you started, when it happened. So I do feel that 
early on, you know, in, we also talk about it, obviously, with our friends, yeah. and you know what is kind of normal and what is not normal with regards to the days it's supposed to go and how regular it should, should be happened. So I feel like you could, obviously. Have. We also have instinctively mm-hmm. feelings about lots of things. Right. <laughs> and I, th- I think I think what's hard is that often when people are going through this process, they think that they are the only person because all their friends and their sister-in-laws and their cousins and the people that got married four years after them and da, 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 all have children and they're the only people that don't have children. And um, that's why the emotional support as much as, you know, and we have world-class fertility um, doctors in this country. I mean, really, really world-class um, and a, a special shout out to, to Dr. Yossi Unterslak, who, to, who does an enormous amount of work um, for Malka Ella and has helped a huge amount of people in the South African Jewish community um, who works at um, the Vatelab practice in Johannesburg. We don't have a preference uh, when people come to us for funding. Um, there's a process that they need to go through. And so they first apply with their financials and then they get screened by um, the the counsellor who works um, with Malka Ella. And we just want to make sure that they are like in a good space because this can be quite rigorous for them. And then once we've actually done that, there's a financial decision. We make a contribution, however much, depending on their financial circumstances. And then we really support them through the process. No. Great. But we're going to get more into detail because we need people to know where to go to and when they should go to you just after this break. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies. 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back um, to my show, Bump and Beyond, with me, Yulandi Becker. And today I'm speaking to uh, Dr. Suzanne Saxton specifically. Um, she is the founder of Malka Ella, a, a wonderful organization that helps the Jewish community, specifically um, parents who want to become parents but who are struggling. Um, and it's been such a wonderful talk because I think the big takeaway for me so far is really the fact that I mean, there's lots of reasons for infertility. We spoke about male reasons, female reasons for infertility. But um, Suzanne, for me, the biggest takeaway thus far is the fact that you are so confident in the team that you've created. um, And like even you said, thousands of people that you've assisted that the success rate is so high. Uh, For me, that's the big thing is that even though – there's a lot of reason to be infertile, infertile and struggle to get pregnant. The reality is, is that there's also a lot of hope out there and a lot of help out there if you are struggling. And with organizations like Marka Ayla, even the financial part of it, because it can be very expensive, can also be taken care of. But in the end, let's start first before we get to that part of how they can contact you and what all you help with, because I think that is really important. But you mentioned before as well, specifically infertility with women. There's various reasons why women can be, and you mentioned PCOS and um, also the age of pair um, women and and and. But what is it? What is some of the things women can do actually then to help to increase their fertility right. or personally? Right. So what I, are I think two things that would be really key. One is that you have to have a a, a, a safe emotional supportive environment around you. And so my advice to to anyone going through it is is identify those people in your personal space that you want to share with 
and 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 I think it's very hard when you share with no one. So, but it's got to be people that are going to be in a safe. They're going to they're going to help as opposed to just be in it for like trying to find out what's going on or make you feel uncomfortable. So, and it doesn't have to be anyone in particular. My my, it, it generally tends to be that the closer you are in terms of your um relationship in terms of family, the more difficult. So children and parents, because the parents themselves are aching for their children and they wish that they could help them. So usually it's it's not those people to include in your in your circle, but one or two people that you can really reach out to and say, I've just had the worst day ever. And so and so is pregnant and this one's pregnant and it's also not someone who's going to judge you in any way. So, and so that would be in a personal capacity. Obviously, you know, if one needs to go through counseling, it is an extremely traumatic, um, process to go through. And so I would suggest that as well. The other thing that women can do is, is really to have a healthy body. So that's about your mind and your emotions, but your healthy body. And we have as part of Malka Ella, um, a dietitian who's been trained in fertility and understanding, but a lot of women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, in fact, tend to um, have more weight issues. And so if they can focus on healthy eating and, and it's not just about the fertility, but the, you know, when you feel like your body is in sync and you are actually not, you know, just eating like junk all the time and putting on weight and then, and, and it becomes a vicious cycle because they, people put on weight, then it doesn't work. Then they put on more weight and, 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 so um, we offer that as a service to people who are struggling um, to counsel with them, to to try and get them into a healthier way of life because it doesn't just affect your fertility, it affects you in general and you'll feel better about yourself. So so I think it's the emotional and it's the, the physical as well I mean, and it needs to be holistic. Yeah, I know I wanted to just say that. I mean, for me, that's the wonderful thing about what, you go, you're talking about the whole time. It's never just one thing. It's always a multitude of things that you're talking about, meaning that it is a holistic approach that you're following because it is, I think, or I know from friends of mine that have gone through this, the emotional impact that this has on a person. And I mean, you even started this conversation with the, the story of like, Every month, the hope and the dream is slashed, and then you have to. And I mean, the amount of strength that you need to go through something like that. And in all honesty, I, in some ways, I think it does prepare you a little bit for parenthood. You know that. However, well, and, however, Yolanda, I want to, <laughs> I want to stop you there, just because I think what's interesting, and in, and you touch on the point, is that some people invest so much energy. And they believe that if I just have a child, everything will be okay. So I don't have to work on myself. I don't have to look after myself. I don't have to work on my marriage. I don't have to work on my connections and my relationships outside of this. And if I just have this baby, everything will be okay. And then what happens is they just have this baby and everything is not just okay. And so my point is, is that it's, 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 it's kind of like changing a tire when you're going 120 kilometers an hour. You need to keep the momentum in, in most of the other things. And okay, so it's fine if you don't go to every, your friend's children's birthday party. That's okay. But one needs to still engage within the world where it's comfortable and, and okay. You need to engage with your husband, um, your partner. You, you have to be able to do that. Otherwise the baby comes and it's like, Oh my gosh, is this it? 
and no. and it's and you know having your own children it's not so easy sometimes yeah no but that's also i mean i was one of those idiots who only prepared for pregnancy and then when the baby came i was like oh crap i never read a parenting book actually i only read pregnancy books <laughs> hence why i now have this show to help prepare parents and i think what I mean with the, my comment that it kind of prepares you for parenthood is those conflicting emotions, I think is part of parenthood as well, where you, you are allowed to, when you find out, I think if you're struggling to get pregnant, you are allowed to, to feel sad by it. And in the same breath, be happy for your friend. Uh, right. And that's lots of Absolutely. those times Absolutely. as a parent where you're, you love it. It's, one of the most amazing things, but it's also my, one of the most difficult things. And sometimes I really hate it. <laughs> I really am like, I oh, and I, I'm like, oh, and I think that's what I meant by, um, it kind of prepares you okay. for that thinking of these conflicting emotions that's happening. Mm, and that's absolutely yeah. normal. I think that's actually not even just parenting. I think that's being a human in the end of the day. Um, absolutely making I, sense of the tension. Yeah. You know, I absolutely love this holistic, um, approach that you have but on that note as well what what is some of the psychological impacts that happen during this journey of infertility i think jealousy is a huge one i think people people feel like you know how come they have children and i can't and what it i think there's a lot of guilt like what did i do why am i being punished um, like, why is this not I mean, happening These are some me? of the, the worst emotions to feel. <laughs> yeah, despair, absolute despair. Yeah. Like, will this ever work? Will this ever be? I mean, when my kids were younger, I used to often go into their rooms and just, like, touch them to see if they were, you know, like, real. Because it's like, is this real? Is this, is this could this actually happen to me? You know, am I actually really a mom? Um, so I think that there's such a myriad of emotions and, and I think, you know, um, I think we need to be, have, be supported throughout this because it is very, very challenging. You know, it's, it's every little girl's dream. Like I'm going to get married and I'm going to have children and I'm going to have a family and, and then, oh, and you see everyone pushing their prams and you see everyone. And, and, and often what happens, you know, especially in the Jewish communities, you'll go out for a meal on Shabbos. And, um, and there's like a few couples together and like most of them have kids and all they talk about is how hard it is. Oh, it's so hard. I have to wake up at night and it's so hard because of this. And there's the one person there that's just like, you kidding me? Like I'd be happy to wake up at night. So I think a message to people who aren't going through it, like yourselves is try be sensitive. It's Mm. not that you don't have to speak about it. But you have more to your life than just about how hard it is where the stage that you're at. And, and so the sensitivity is a big thing. We need I'm, to learn. It. I'm very much looking forward to also hear a little bit about, um, what Malka Allah and how people can contact you and how we can help you. <laughs> more importantly, just after this ad break. This is Bump and Beyond with Yolandi Becker, the show about pregnancy and babies, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back. This is 101.9 FM with me, Yolandi Becker, on Bump and Beyond. And we're talking specifically infertility. And as always, I'm running out of time and I'm loving talking to Suzanne about our topic today of fertility. 
for, uh, before you guys is and there's two things I want to do. The first one is we need to answer a question. Someone asked a question. I'm not 100% sure if you will be able to answer it um, because, as Suzanne mentioned, she is not actually a doctor um, in medicine. <laughs> but, yeah, the question is, after an ectopic uh, pregnancy and removal of one of the tubes, how easy is it? Is it how easy? See, my tongue is twisting today. How easy is it to fall pregnant? person of 24 and it was the first pregnancy so i mean there's definitely um so there's definitely room to try naturally um um after um an ectopic pregnancy because now this person only has the one tube we know that we ovulate um we have two ovaries and we ovulate uh predominantly in one, but we do ovulate in the other. There is also something called a transmigration of eggs where you can actually have two tubes, I mean one tube, and you can ovulate. Let's say you've got the left tube, you ovulate from the right tube, and the tube actually comes and sucks up the egg um, from the other ovary. And it's very uncommon, but it does happen, even though someone it did happen too. Um, so the, I mean, I was, that's certainly not academic, but it does happen. But I mean, I would, the suggestion to a 24 year old, um, you know, and is to, to be very cognizant of the fact to try for, you know, about three or four months. If there is no conception after that time is that I would go and, um, try and see a, a specialist to have some type of intervention. And, and you wouldn't need a, a huge amount of intervention because there has been a pregnancy, but what you would want is maybe like, um, a triggered ovulation, um, where they can trigger ovulation on the particular side where you have the tube. I don't know if that answers the question. Yes, it sounds to me like a good answer. Um, <laughs> but on that note, before you go, Suzanne, the next, the last thing I want to know is, firstly, um, how can people make contact with you? And secondly, I know that you've got an exhibition coming up, so tell us a little bit about that as well. Okay, so firstly, you can just contact us on our Malka Ella website. All our details are there. It's malkaella.co.za. I didn't actually mention, I'm going to just go quickly, 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 because we only have like one minute. But um, Malka Ella is named after um, three children who passed away in the Jewish community, the one being Malka Ella Salatan, um, which was the original um, person who it was named after. She was a young girl who was um, unfortunately killed by, in a car accident. Um, and then also Natanel Fagenbaum. And um, recently someone who works for us, um, her granddaughter, passed away after only six weeks. Um, her name was Libby. And um, so really this organization is just steeped with trying to like perpetuate people's memories of their own children um, for the children that they couldn't have. So I think it's a huge um, it's uh, for them. It really is. It makes me look teary. Um, but so you can contact us on our Malkaella website. You can learn all about us. We've got very different divisions. We help with pregnancy loss. We help with fertility, um, egg preservation. We also help with if someone wants to have, and they're not going through Malkaella for the funding, then they can also have like a, like a person checking in the lab to make sure that the procedure is your egg, your sperm, um, all of that. We have genetic testing that we fund, um, and we have counseling. Yeah. Suzanne, we Sorry. unfortunately have run oh. out of time. But Can I not say about my exhibition? exhibition? <laughs> oh, the exhibition begins on Sunday. It's currently live on Malkaella.co.za um, auction. 
And it's the biggest auction of Jewish, it's Jewish women, 75 Jewish artists, and we are having it at the Johannesburg Holocaust Center. Um, it is from Sunday to Tuesday is the live exhibition, but you can go online and see it. It really helps us raise money. We use 3 million rand a year, and um, all proceeds are going to Malkaela as the art has been donated. Right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So much. Thanks for listening. Thank you, and see you next week. <laughs>